Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. Absolutely glorious Saturday morning on the Central Coast. The ocean swim was meant to be on this morning. It's been postponed due to water quality and will now be held in a couple of weeks' time. But thank you to Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. A little bit later in the morning, we'll have a few of their superstars join us, including Masters athletes Hayden Smith and also Paul Lamont, who's on 99 Australian medals after last week's Aussie titles on the Gold Coast. Ryan Green joining us as well. He scored one of the best wins I've ever seen in the junior board race on the Gold Coast. Absolutely thrilling race. And a whole bunch of stars joining us this morning. But alongside me is the guru, Gary Birkinshaw. Good morning, mate. Happy Easter. Good morning, Steve. Happy Easter. And also for yourself, a happy birthday. So, well done, mate. Another year come and gone. So, congratulations. And what a fantastic week of sport it's been. And really looking forward to the, the surf life-saving influence on this morning's program, especially when we're at Terrigal Beach. And what a glorious sight it is this morning. Eh? Terrigal Beach at its best. Water quality, as you mentioned, probably not quite there after all the rain, but... Yeah, look, it's going to be a big crowd out here today. Great day. Gee, it looks superb this morning. I'm sure they probably could have held the race, but they made a, a great decision early in the week, and they were mindful that a lot of people would travel from around New South Wales. Look, uh, with the birthday, I was trying to slide under the radar, but I've been outed by this next lady who's about to join us live from South Australia, head coach of the Australian men's netball team, Nerida Stewart. Good morning. Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing down there? I'm the competition, the, the competition gets underway tomorrow. It sure does. We we kick off tomorrow for my team, the New South Wales A team, at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, Adelaide time. So um, we're very excited. We take on Tasmania tomorrow morning, so it'll be great to sort of see what the competition's like and get a start on on something some of these fellas have been waiting to get involved with for about three years now. So. Um, very exciting time down here in Adelaide. Hey, Nerida, I thought you were about to do a Marilyn Monroe and do a happy birthday, Mr. President. Uh, that, that was sounding very like Marilyn Monroe. Hey, uh, what do you expect yeah, from no. the Tasmanians tomorrow? Um, look, it's a bit sort of... For me, I'm, I feel like I'm going in a little bit blind because there hasn't been a competition for so many years. There's, you know, a lot of players have shifted age brackets and they've moved from that 23 years um, space up to the open space, so... They're a little unsure, so I think, you know, I think the game will probably be, you know, I'm hoping to be clean cut from my players, but I think any first game of any tournament sometimes can be a bit scrappy while people find their feet. So, stick to our own game plan, that's what we've tried to drive for the last three months in prep. We'll just see what they deliver and take it on board as it, as it comes to us. Yeah, Nerida, Gary Birkinshaw here. How are you? And very good uh, work there on uh, Steve's birthday, so thank you very much for that. <laughs> Now, two games a day during the carnival. It's a pretty taxing carnival. How do you manage your players through through the carnival? 
Yeah, it's, it's a huge carnival. I mean, I, I know my team essentially are going to be playing 13 games in seven days, which is um, massive cool. when it comes to load. So for us, you know, the big em- emphasis is around recovery and sleep and hydration and fueling. And um, I know we're going to try and get them out to Glenelg Beach after the game tomorrow because we've got a really long break. Like we play at eight in the morning and then our next game's not till seven at night. So we've got a really long day tomorrow. But I think it's rotation. We get to see the team twice in this competition. So we play each team once and then we go through a second round. So that'll give you a, give us a really good assessment as to where I need to sort of you know, move players in and out. They have implemented like a rolling sub uh, strategy in the competition, which I'm really excited about. So it gives you that opportunity to rest players at various times throughout the game, um, which I think will fit really nicely to sort of help with load management and balance across the team. Yeah, Nara, who do you who do you expect from your team to have a really standout carnival? Who who, who sort of haven't been there before, but yeah, you're really looking forward to seeing play. We've got eight out of our 12 that have never debuted for New South Wales at Nationals before. So there's a big, um, there's a big lot of excitement amongst the teams about people, you know, getting their first cap. Uh, look, I think for me, Jack Vanderveld, who's one of our mid-quarters, who's never been before, is a very exciting netballer to watch and um, really athletic and very, very quick. He comes from basketball and has moved over to netball. And it's quite funny, his sister plays rugby and, he's, and, he, and he plays netball. So... His family are sort of uh, really excited to see him out there. I think the other one for me is uh, Samuel Rabuco, who's um, been a bit of an either-ender as far as defensive or, or goals, and he's really started to shine out in that goal-shooting circle end. So I'm excited to see what he can deliver as well. Now, Nerida, I know all coaches always say we just focus on our team and, and you know, we get our basics right, we'll, we'll do well and, and that'll take care of itself. But who, who do you think your main challenges are going to come from throughout this tournament? I really think that it'll be the Victorians. You know, as, as per normal in the netball world, there's that big battle between the Vicks and, and the New South teams and I think they've been a very polished unit in the, in the past and their pathway system's really, really strong and... So I think they're probably going to be the biggest competition for us. But I think Queensland and South Australia aren't going to be anything to sort of, you know, ignore as well. But, um, yeah, this will definitely be the big game. We're talking to Nerida Stewart, head coach of the Australian men's netball team. Nerida, I was on the Gold Coast last week for the Australian surf life-saving title, so I missed the Swifts game against Collingwood, and I believe that they paid tribute to every Swifts player in the history of the franchise, dating back to the Sandpipers and then the Sydney Swifts and now the New South Wales Swifts. Were you there for that night? I believe a third of the playing group were there. Unfortunately, no. I I did watch it and I was watching um, all of the festivities go ahead. We we sort of bubbled ourselves up for the week before we left for Adelaide to sort of, you know, minimise that risk of exposure to COVID. And for me, it was a really, you know... Hard decision to make because it was an event that I was really hoping to get to. But, no, I did watch it from home and they really, really acknowledged beautifully um, the, the history and the legacy that uh, that was the Swifts. And, you know, I did send a message to Bryony and, and to some of the girls that were there and I saw the photos. But um, it's just a wonderful way to acknowledge history and, and what's been before those players that are absolutely brilliant now. So, um, yeah, yeah it's a kind of to miss it. Yeah, I tell you, you've got to pay homage to the legends that paved the way. Uh, speaking of Briny, 
you and I had a conversation maybe about three weeks ago when Sam Wallace went down and we thought, well, that's it for the New South Wales Swifts. But Bryony is such an amazing coach that suddenly they've gone back-to-back, including the win over Collingwood. Look like they're playing a style. I mean, they're like the LA Lakers in the early 80s with their hurry-up offense. And suddenly they beat Collingwood. They also beat the Thunderbirds by one. Yeah, it's funny. The, the Swiss traditionally have been this, they have this ability to play this calm style of netball. So it's like take the time, get it down, pop it up to, to Sam. And, and that, you know, that game was just terrific to watch. I think, you know, seeing anyone suffer an injury like that is, is horrendous. And I think the general conversation amongst the netball community was that's it, the season's over for the Swiss. Um, but look, Bryony has, has some great depth in her team with Kelly Singleton and Sophie Thorne. And it actually has provided them this opportunity to embrace the strengths that their midcourt have, which is in Paige and Taylor Fraser and, and Maddie, at, like, you know, that speed that they actually have to use and burn. And uh, the look on Helen House's face in that game, it was her 100th game for the Swiss. And to watch her out there and embracing this incredibly fast attacking game was, um, I actually loved it. So you had, you know, this, this face on Helen of excitement and and this new style of game that they were putting out there. And then you had the young Sophie Thorns, who's from Wagavik out there, and just couldn't stop smiling at this opportunity that she's got. And I actually think the Swiss are going to have to be um, watched very closely now. I really love this new style that they're bringing to the game, and I think it's going to play in their favour. Yeah, well, this weekend, tomorrow, they're actually heading across to Perth to take on the West Coast Fever. So another big game there, and the Giants are, are at home today against Collingwood. Yeah, I think um, this will be a test for the Swift. I- I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that, that new mobile shooting and works against the likes of Courtney Bruce and, and Sunday. Um, I think that, you know, maybe that speed and that agility through the circle is going to really make it hard for those de- that defensive unit. But, look, you know, they've got Dan Ryan in there now and he's doing some really great things and they've been sitting at the top there with the Vixens up until last weekend, so... I think it's going to be a great spectacle to watch and I'm calling a very close game. Yeah, you thought the Giants might be set for a big season after their win in the derby in round one of the competition, but since then they've really struggled. What are some of the reasons why, Nerida? Look, I think COVID ruled out... They had a couple of weeks back, they ruled out about six of their squad members. And it was very interesting. There was a lot of conversation around the fact that the Suncorp Nepal have brought in a new rule where it's more than five of your... Uh, squad members come down with COVID that you can apply for um, postponement of your game. But they were actually denied that, uh, even though they had the six. Now, for whatever those circumstances were, I'm unaware. But I think that sort of... They ended up getting Chelsea Pittman, who's a training partner from West Coast Fever, to come and fill in. Um, but I think it's sort of thrown them into a bit of a spin and they're just trying to regather and regroup. Um, to sort of you know get back on track with where they're where they're headed because they have a formidable lineup. Their lineup is, is fantastic, and you know Australian Australian selectors will be watching everything this weekend. We're about to name a squad um, for Tom Games, and I, so I think all the players are going to be really really out there to prove a point this weekend. So I think you'll see a different style and intensity from Giants in their game this weekend. Hey, Nerida, 24 hours before the first set of pass in the Australian Men's Netball Championships down in Adelaide. What will you do in the next 24 hours? And do you make any kind of Churchillian-like speeches pre-match? <laughs> well, 
Um, I'm currently sitting in the Bunnings warehouse car park talking to you. While Maddie's just wandering around, with, I can just see her coming over the car with a pressing table and a Um But um, look, so then they've got some airport pickups and then tonight. I may have, I may have put together a little uh, inspirational you know, video for the sellers with some messages from, from some lovely uh, netball players of the past and I'm um, trying to drive that bleed blue mentality. So try and keep them a bit calm, not too excited, but really get them ready and prepped to, to you know, take them in a competition. Yeah, I like it. Uh, maybe after some symbolism at Bunnings, so grab a drill and tell the boys to drill the opposition. Uh, hey, great to have you online, <laughs> live from Adelaide. Happy Easter. Uh, give our love to Rebecca Rodwell, who's down there with you as, as assistant coach, and look forward to catching up soon. Absolutely. You enjoy that cracker of a day at Terrigal, and um, have a wonderful birthday today, and make sure you celebrate it in style. I'll, uh, I'll make sure I catch up and, and buy you a shandy at some point, Steve, to Well, I've seen your vodka collection, so I'm looking forward to... Uh, <laughs> and what do you call it? You're building, a, you're building a shed out the back, and it's got a special name? Yeah, it's, my, it's my she shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's, Great it's to have you online from Adelaide, and best wishes to New South Wales. Thanks so much, fellas. Have a great day, and I'll speak to you soon. Uh, Nerida Stewart joining us. Uh, what a superb job she's doing. And, you know, she's told us the numbers. There's over 100,000 men playing netball in Australia, men and boys. Yeah, and don't forget their, their big goal, the 2032 Brisbane Olympics. So there's, there's certainly something to aim at there. And, uh, look, she mentioned before, it's just growing every, every year. Hey, how lucky are we? This is the office on a Saturday morning. Hundreds already in the water here at Terrigal. Looks pretty good to me. Uh, blue skies, sunshine. Love seeing the sun glistening off the water here. We're on the upstairs balcony. Uh, off to a quick break on Saturdays on the coast. Thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Thanks to KO. Uh, thanks also to McDonald Jones Homes. And we're back in a moment with Mariners head coach Nick Montgomery. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. Just beautiful. Absolutely stunning here this morning. Uh, hundreds of people on the beach, thousands on the walkway, which is away to our right. The new walkway that goes around the water here at Terrigal near the Skillion. And uh, just a glorious Easter long weekend. Alongside me, Gary Birkinshaw, Sydney Swans. Wow, what a win last night against the West Coast Eagles. They thumped them, and at one stage, they kept them to nil which uh, is almost unheard of. First time since the records were started in 1999 was the longest it's taken a team to score, 47 minutes and one second in, into the game before they scored. So, look, they were just um, they were just very dominant, the Swans, right from the word go. And everyone sort of mentioned after last week they were a little bit lacklustre in a wind over, over North Melbourne, but they hit the ground running last night and, and were way too good for a West Coast side that's had a had a really interrupted start to the season this year. COVID's really hit them pretty bad over there. And uh, Yeah, well, it's what Nerida was just saying with uh, the netball as well. So Sydney, 18-13-121 to the West Coast Eagles, 9-4-58. Other matches, the Western Bulldogs winners over North Melbourne. 
poor old Kangaroos are struggling, aren't they? Yeah, look, that was another game that was blown away early. Nine goals to one in the first quarter by the Western Bulldogs. Put that game to bed early. And you know, North Melbourne, after a good performance last week, and plenty of pressure on North Melbourne at the moment. To, the good Fridays, one, the AFL want to make a marquee games, and, and they've been in that for a number of years now and haven't been very competitive. So a real watch on that for North Melbourne. Yeah, the Doggies 21-13-139. North Melbourne 11-5-71. And a, a thriller between the Brisbane Lions and Collingwood. 15-8-98 to 14-7-91. Burko, I will say this. I've been finding it really hard to watch the AFL. I feel like the umpires and, you know, they're the last people that I want to have a crack at. But in that Brisbane game, there was a 50 because someone put their arms up when they're standing on the mark. Now, I know that Tony Shaw has commented on Twitter saying, what's happened to our magnificent game? If you can't... I mean, that's happened for 100 years. You throw your arms up as soon as you're on the mark. So there's that... Yesterday I was watching the NRL and I was super disappointed to see a sin bin in a game that was in the balance. But afterwards, Trent Barrett didn't complain. Josh Jackson didn't complain. So if the head coach and the captain aren't complaining, then we just dust ourselves off and move on, don't we? But also with the AFL, last week, the Giants up against Fremantle, I think the free kick count was 45 to 15. Um, You might have the exact number. But how can it be so lopsided... In a two-horse race. Yeah, 42-16 with a free kick. It was just a staggering 26 difference. And once again, full credit uh, to Leon Cameron. He, he said, we've got to get better. But one thing I'll say about the umpiring is just so, what the officials have done have just made the game so hard now to officiate. The, the rules of the game, you know, haven't changed over the last 100 years. The rules have still been the same. But what they do every year is they change the interpretation. And... And that's what makes it so hard to umpire. When you're umpiring interpretation, to try and get that consistency around it across when you've got you know, 16, 18, 20 umpires umpiring each week. And I think that's what's frustrating a lot of people. Yeah, I sent Troy Luff a message last night and I said, what is wrong with the umpires shouting out, play on? Like, don't blow the whistle. Let's see the best players in the competition have a contest. It's almost like you put your hands on a player and the whistle goes. Yeah, that's right. And the, the biggest rule to me is, is in the AFL is the stand rule. So when you're on the mark, you have to stand still. Now, in a game that's free-flowing, athletic and moving, to tell someone that you have to stand there and can't move on the mark, I know it's aimed at opening up the game, but yeah. it just seems such a, a natural reaction. And then if you move slightly, there was a game in the Richmond Bulldogs game last week where a Richmond player feigned to handball it, and the natural instinct was to play. And he took one step, yep. And that's a 50-metre penalty, which ended up yeah. being a shot on goal, actually ended up being a goal. So just the, I suppose that's one thing they're talking about at AFL level. Do they need a 25-metre penalty? Because a 50-metre penalty is just such a, you know, such a, a big penalty for such a small offence. Yeah, I've, I've never been so frustrated watching the game. So I hope uh, it's an aberration and it gets better in the next few rounds. Hey, we've got a premiership winner waiting patiently on the line. John Strange, head coach of the Sydney Roosters. It's a standing ovation after winning the NRLW Grand Final last week against St. George Illawarra. Good morning, mate. Congratulations, and how's the celebrations been? Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, look, it's been, it's been great. Yeah, after the game, we stayed up in, uh, up in Queensland and, um, yeah, celebrated a little bit there, had a, had a presentation after the game, um, gave some awards out and, um, yeah, had a couple of drinks and, yeah, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind actually. It's um, yeah, it's starting to sink in now what the uh, what the girls have achieved for themselves in the club. So yeah, really proud of them. 
I was at uh, Combank Stadium uh, before the Bulldogs played Penrith and we were all watching on the TV and one thing I really loved was you being on stage to present the Premiership rings or medallions and it was just a beautiful moment and I, I dare say the highlight of your rugby league career. Oh, absolutely, Steve. It's, um, yeah, like I said, it's, I've been involved in some, in some great teams and uh, certainly the highlight for me, uh, especially the way the season went for the girls, like we went down... You know, a slow start, I guess you could say, losing the first couple, but um, that really made every, everyone in the club, the, the staff and players included, really dig deep and, you know, just make sure we could find a way to get back on track, which they did in round three against the Knights, and I just felt the momentum within the group build from then. And, um, yeah, getting into the semi-final against the Broncos, uh, I guess, you know, as everyone was saying, the unbeatable team, I was, I was very confident that the girls would be able to, you know, get that win. Although saying that after 13 minutes when we were 16 down and playing with 12 players, I wasn't feeling that comfy in the seat in the box. But, um, but yeah, look, it's just testament to the, the character, uh, the resilience of these, um, the group of girls. Like I said earlier, just really proud of them. G'day, John. Gary Birkinshaw here. Mate, congratulations. Yeah. A great effort. Take us back to the game. You know, early in about the first minutes, and Georgia scored, so it's four nil. Were you pretty confident throughout the game of how your side was travelling? Yeah, I was. Like really confident. Um, like even the night, you know, before the before the kickoff, the night before, just the way that the girls were. We had another team meeting the night before. It's just really confident. Uh, you can tell when players, you know, are going to do whatever it takes to win a game and. So, yeah, going in the you know, first minute and a half and the Dragons score in the corner. Um, look, it wasn't anything to do with us playing bad. It was a set play from them, which they, you know, which they nailed. Uh, Emma Tonegato um, broke from the scrum and was lightning quick and, you know, she sort of destroyed teams all, all um, competition. So we just made an adjustment from that moment on from our um, scrum defence and how we were going to defend that because I figured she, she was going to do the same again every time they got a scrum. But, uh, yeah, but like I said, the girls weren't... Yeah, it was a minute and a half into the game. Um, they're going to know the girls behind the uh, goals are really confident and just said, look, that's fine. Let's just forget about that and just keep doing what we uh, we know we're going to do. So, yeah, and look, you know, we created opportunities in the first half and um, credit to the Dragons' defence, which was outstanding. They kept us out. They had three tries disallowed. Um, so we knew that we were, we were on. We knew we were creating opportunities and we just had to keep knocking on the front door in the second half and, you know, we all believed that um, the girls would get over and, and be able to repel the Dragons who were throwing everything at us as well. So, um, yeah, it's just, there's a real confidence and belief in the group, like I said, before the game and, and for me sitting in the box watching, I was, uh, while it was a cracking game, it was a, it was a brutal game of footy, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, just really confident the girls would, um, would come out on top. Hey, John, uh, we're biased, of course, but what about the try from Isabel Kelly? And you've got to say that's a try for the ages that really turned the match. Oh, absolutely, Steve. Um, look, really, really proud of Izzy, to be honest. Like, she's, um, you know, she's achieved a lot in, in the game, won Origins, won World Cups with Australia. But she hasn't, you know, it's, on her admission, she hasn't, really excelled at the NRLW yet. Um, you know, said it had quite seasons previously. So for her to come up with a big moment in the, you know, in the biggest game that we had, like she did, um, yeah, I was just really proud of her. And, and I was also equally proud of, you know, her defence um, in that game as well, especially on Emma Tonegato. We did a 
did a fair bit of video on Emma. We knew we had to stop her. Um, you know, we had Jester just on the right, shutting her down when she went that way, and then we had Izzy, Izzy on the left. Um, so look, yeah, it was a, it was an awesome try, great moment. Um, you know, for uh, for her, and um, like I said, just I just couldn't be happier for for Izzy, a local Central Coast girl as well. John, I'm glad you mentioned about, about the defence because defence wins the big games and the fact that you were able to only concede one try and effectively three and a half halves of football was a fantastic effort and full, full credit to the girls and also the coaching staff to devise the defensive plans to shut down what have been two very good attacking sides. Yeah, look, we did. Um, and, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a really good, good stat for the, for the girls to understand. Yeah, the last three halves of footy, um, just yeah, conceding one try. So, look, we had going into the Broncos game, we had Tamika Upton at fullback, who's you know arguably the best fullback in the, in the game. Uh, and I know Emma's set the world on fire as well this campaign, coming back from sevens. But we we had to do a fair bit of homework on both of those girls to shut them down. And um, you know, and I spoke to the team about how we we're going to do that. But primarily, it was it was Isabel Kelly and Jess Surges who who had the jobs uh, to do on both those fullbacks. Um, you know, and people said to me after we played the Broncos in that semi-final that, uh, you know, Tamika, you know, didn't have a good game or she was quiet and, you know, but they don't actually understand the job that those two girls did and, um, you know, the, the responsibility they took for the team to, to shut Tamika down and, and they did the exact same job on, on Emma in the grand final. So, yeah, a lot, lot goes into it um, in, in relation to how we're going to do it, but um, it's also easy for me to just tell the girls this is how you've got to shut those those two down, um, but it's, it's, it's the team and those girls in particular that actually had to do it on the field. And yeah, once, once again, yeah, I, I couldn't have been prouder of um, you know of those girls that uh, were able to shut their main strike weapons down in those big games. Hey, John, are you able to stay with us for a few more moments? Uh, Jocelyn Kelleher is about to join us also on Saturdays on the coast, but we're getting some pressure from back at headquarters to go to the news. So, have you got a few more minutes yep. on this Saturday morning? No problem, Steve. Yeah, it's not like Steve-O to be running late for the news. Uh, we'll be back in a few moments. John Strange, Premiership winner with the Sydney Roosters. What an incredible finish to the season. Uh, you know, defeating the Brisbane Broncos and then St. George Illawarra, 16-4 in the grand final. And as we said, Jocelyn Kelleher, local product, uh, played AFL, as you would know, Gary, and now a Premiership winner with the Sydney Roosters. Back in just a moment, Saturdays on the coast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, of course, Robson Civil Projects. Thanks to KO and thanks to McDonald Jones Homes. Back after this. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Indeed you are. This is Saturdays on the Coast. Uh, we'll get back to the guys in just a moment out at Terry Hill. Uh, we're going to head to John Strange. Uh, he is still with us on the line. I'll head back now to yeah. the boys, Steve Hey, Andrews. Adam, uh, I'm glad you're on the air, Adam, yes. because uh, I know you're a huge South Sydney Rabbitohs fan and you've got some audio that you want to roll in on the show. Yes. Damien Cook yesterday in superb form against the Bulldogs. Let's hear it. Damien Cook went from dummy half. They were worried about the overlap on the edge. They were too thin up the middle, and Damien Cook pinches one. I reckon there's another try for South coming. I reckon that try has just put him back into sync. Found some form, got some confidence. Going up the field, here we go. 
Short side, Ilias gets it away to Campbell Graham. Backfield, he looks for support. He finds Taff. Oh, it's Cook. Cook goes for two. Oh, he's out of the field day. It was Damien Cook. I thought it couldn't possibly be Cook. He just scored one two minutes ago. And the Cook goes in for another. Oh, the chef's on fire. South Sydney 10, kick the come. Bulldog 6, 8 remaining in the first half. And Brett... Nostradamus Kabbalah, you're absolutely the right. Crystal ball. They go left. Uh, oh, Cook. Damien Cook. Damien Cook, the hat trick. We'll have a listen to this. Don't they love it? Damien Cook went left. Cody Walker was right. And Cookie goes, I'm going to get myself three Easter eggs for Easter. That was a beauty. Goes under the post. Yeah, back in the studio, Adam Staples, grinning from ear to ear. So while Jeremy Marshall King is in the sim bin, Rabbitohs put on three tries to lead 18 points to six and ended up winners 36-16 in the Good Friday Clash. Fantastic crowd as well at a core stadium in Sydney. Panthers winners, wow. I mean, this one was tight. And then Penrith, you know, they remind me of Canterbury in the early 2000s. They are the entertainers, or Canterbury in 1980. What about some of the tries they scored last night? Both their wingers, absolutely incredible. I think Taylor May scored a, a spectacular try off a Nathan Cleary kick. Your thoughts, Guru? Yeah, look, they were very, very good to watch Penrith last night. And, and Nathan Cleary, I think, just showed to him, you know, there's been some, some players that really challenged him this year as being the best player. But last night, he was just a class above everybody else. Yeah, some of those kicks, I think there was even, they didn't even score from it, but the kick where they got the repeat where nothing happened, so he kicks it at the post. And then forcing, uh, forcing the Broncos to bat it dead so they get another, another set of six and, and end up scoring a try from that. But, yeah, they throw the ball around. Jeremy Luai doing back to his running best, obviously, over that ankle injury that he had last year. But, yeah, that, that, he's got that much confidence now from that state of origin, grand final winner, and now he, he just feels his place. When Taylor May scored that try on the left wing... You saw Jerome Luai, he didn't even bother going to celebrate with, his, with, a, with the try scorer. He went straight to Nathan Cleary, and it was almost like, a, oh, my God, I can't believe you pulled that off. Hey, let's go back to a premiership-winning coach, John Strange. You want to ask about the player of the match in the grand final. So that's Sarah Togatuki? Yeah, that's right. Uh, John, so Sarah, she, she actually played for St. George Illawarra previously. Can you tell her a bit about, a bit about her? Because she was fantastic in the grand final. Yeah, yeah, Sulla, um, yeah, she did actually. She started with the, the Roosters in 2018, um, in August, um, premiership side there, but, um, I think she went to the Dragons in, yeah, the following year and it's actually come back. So, uh, look, she's, she's really, she's the heart and soul of the, the team. Um, she's very passionate. Uh, she wears a heart on her sleeve. Yeah, she, um, she's really been driving our forward pack, to be perfectly honest, with this campaign. Um, when we go out for warm-up, or before we go out the warm-up, she sort of grabs the forwards and uh, well, the backs sort of head out and kick the ball around. She, she'll just grab the forwards and have a little chat to them, you know, about what it means and what it means to her and what it, you know, means to the club and, and everything like that. So she's, she's a real driving force. And, look, we were um, obviously, you know, with the, the tackle she put on, we're getting a good in um, the season following into Broncos and she had to go to judiciary. And there was a, you know, look, we all... Yeah, we were all really um, sort of stressed about that herself and, and the players, whether she was actually going to be playing on grand final day. So, yeah, we were lucky to get a charge downgraded to a, a careless high tackle one, which enabled her to take the field. And, yeah, look, I'm not saying we wouldn't have won the game without us, but it certainly helped having her um, up there at uh, Morton Bay on grand final day. So, yeah, she's, she's outstanding.
I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, John, about the tribunal appearance. Though she actually got off that charge. So how did you manage that as a coach with her? Because certainly an extremely stressful and emotional time for, for not only Sarah but all the rest of the girls with the uncertainty heading into the grand final. Yeah, so we, so we trained on the Tuesday. So after the, after the semi-final, our next training session was on the Tuesday and, and that was actually when she had to appear, appear at the judiciary. So she missed that session. Um, but the club, yeah, the club was were outstanding to be honest in supporting her. Um, yeah, we got a, a barrister in that we normally get into the to the boys or normally get into Jared um, that represented Bella. And uh, look, it's very stressful for her. Obviously, I spoke with the girls before training and just said, look, this is where where Sulla's at. Uh, we'll find out after training whether she's going to be playing. And you know, fingers crossed that she'll be there. But I did say to the girls that we'll just deal with whatever comes and, you know, we'll move forward. But, you know, hopefully she can play. But, um, yeah, look, it, it, Sulla was really, really stressed herself. So she's actually, she fasted since the game. Um, so that was from Sunday. So she, she um, yeah, she decided she was going to fast until until the, um, the hearing on Tuesday. So... Yeah, once she got that okay, and you know, a lot of the teammates were waiting outside there for her um, at NRL headquarters, and you know were just jubilant, and you know they sort of really excited. But then Sulla had to then get her body right again, and it took a couple of days of adjusting for her, you know, to physically and mentally adjust to actually playing. And um, yeah, so she to be able to take the field um, for us on Sunday, and yeah, it was yeah it was something really special. And look. If she'd have been uh, unfortunate enough to miss that grand final, I think it would have been devastating for her as a person. Because she, as she said to me for the last three months, she's worked really, really hard to, to put herself in a position to uh, improve a game so she can win a premiership. So if that was going to be taken away from her, it would have been devastating. But yeah, luckily for her and for, for us and the club, uh, she was able to take the field because, um, yeah, a just reward for her to, to receive the Karen Murphy medal for best on ground. Yeah, incredible, mate. Great story. And uh, I'll tell you what is amazing, that this is the first of two NRLW grand finals in 2022. Uh, can you believe that? Now you're reigning premiers. Yes, that's really exciting, actually. It's, um, you know, we spoke, we had a meeting on Thursday night with the girls. We had a... You know, just a bit of a catch-up and a get-together, and uh, I think that's the most exciting thing. We don't have to wait too long to <clears throat> to get going again. So, yeah, normally you've got to wait that full season, but yeah, it's uh, it's, it's exciting, and we're just trying to put our our team back together. And uh, you know, we might lose a couple of girls, but then a couple of girls will come in, and no doubt, you know, we'll, we'll continue on from from where we uh, left off, and you know, well, that's the plan anyway. Yeah, and John, uh, I tell you, you're going to get another standing ovation here because you're one of only three coaches in NRLW history who've won a premiership in their debut season. Kelvin Wright, of course, Paul Dyer, and now you can carve John Strange onto that list. Well done, mate. We couldn't be happier for you with all the hard work you've done with the Central Coast and also the Sydney Roosters. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that and uh, appreciate your support, as always, for the rugby league and especially the women's game. Yeah, off to a break uh, right now on the McDonald Jones open line, 1342-1533. I know Michael Butner has called in, our regular co-host. Uh, he's on his way to Sydney to watch his son play soccer, so we'll find out more in just a few moments. And on the text line, 0477 736 736. We've got one here. Happy birthday, Steve-O. 
It's standing room only in the annex at Tung Curry. Listening to the best sports show on radio from Greg Ferguson from Robson Civil Projects. So an Easter long weekend in beautiful Foster Tung Curry. Yeah, look, it'll be lovely down there as well. It'll be doing very well. It'll be nice where it's here at... at uh at Terrigal, but certainly great to have Greg listening to us and certainly the support that we get from Robson. Yeah, the show wouldn't be possible without their support. So hope they're enjoying the show and hope everyone else is listening as well. Yeah, they also support the, the Perfect 10 podcast and I've got a cracker of an interview coming out with three-time Australian Ironwoman champion Georgia Miller who won on the Gold Coast, equaling the great Carla Gilbert. So really looking forward to releasing that in the next couple of days. We're back in a moment. It's Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Welcome back live at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club on the second floor on the balcony here at this famous club and just a spectacular Saturday morning. As we go to a premiership winner with the Sydney Roosters, we just heard from John Strange. Now let's hear from one of the star players, Jocelyn Kelleher. Well done and congratulations. I mean, is it surreal that you're now a premiership winner? Yeah, it's very surreal. Um, going into the Broncos game, we kind of had a rough run, but then, yeah, to knock them out and get the win over the Dragons, like, we just can't believe it. Still living in a dream, pretty much. Yeah, I love it. The uh, try you scored against the Broncos, is that the most important four-pointer of your entire career? Uh, yeah, probably would have to be. It definitely wasn't the plan, but, I mean, worked out better, I guess. Yeah, your final series was amazing. Gary Birkinshaw is alongside me, the guru, and you've got some facts and figures on Jocelyn. Yeah, look, Jocelyn had a fantastic year. I noticed during the week you got named as a Young Gun Team of the Year in the hooker, which was a fantastic achievement, so well done. Just a question I'd like to ask you, Jocelyn. You started the season, or previously played in the back row. Uh, Coach John then moved to the halfback, and then you ended up playing at the hooker. How did you make those adjustments, and which position do you prefer most? Yeah, I think I'm on my fifth position um, in NRLW at the moment after two seasons, so it's a bit crazy, but um, I'm just loving learning the game from a different point of view in different positions, to be honest. Um, yeah, I was keen to have um, Fiat pass back for a little bit, but uh, Ray that came in is a lot more experienced and she's a really good player. So I was happy just stepping back and watching her and then finding my um, home at hooker at the end of the season was so much fun and I got my hands on the ball a lot more, which I really enjoyed. Hey, Jocelyn, a good friend of mine, Matt Sharp, uh, as you know, is the assistant coach of the Sydney Roosters and fantastic player in his own right. He told me that prior to the match, Isabel Kelly said a few words to the group. Are you able to share what she said that inspired everyone? There was a couple of girls that um, stepped up and had their say. Um, but, yeah, Izzy's just a massive like role model for a lot of our younger girls. And she kind of just, yeah, so to everyone, like, keep a level head. Like, it's just, it's um, one more game. And she just kind of backed us all and made us feel, like, put confidence and self-belief into us all. And, um, yeah, we went out there with that confidence and we ended up getting the win. It was an epic game and you were down early. Uh, tell us your recollections, your analysis of that 70 minutes of football. Yeah, well, I started on the bench. So the first minute when they scored, like, we were all kind of like, oh, no, like, what are we in for? But again, with the Broncos, we were down 16-0. Like, we're definitely a strong second-half team. Like, we've got the stamina and we just had the skill and the patience to keep going. 
um, yeah, when I went on, I think we still we still hadn't scored, so I was kind of just trying to get my team going forward and like get back. But we had lots of attacking opportunities, whereas I don't think they had as many. So I, I was still confident that we'd get it over the line if we just like kept our heads and completed our set. Yeah, so I suppose the euphoria around actually winning, what, what was it like when the final siren rang and you knew that you'd actually won the premiership? What was the, the feeling like then and obviously afterwards with obviously with, with a group of girls who you've actually built a strong bond with to be able to, to celebrate what was arguably probably the, the greatest moment in a lot, of, a lot of your girls' lives? Yeah, it definitely was up there with um, the greatest moments of most of our lives. Um, it was crazy. The last five minutes, like, like I swear, went for so long. Um, I was obviously on the bench and like there was girls like holding me off the field and like I'm ready to go on. Um, yeah, so when the final buzzer went, we all just ran um, and absolutely just embraced each other. There was tears, there was like well, obviously happy tears, but yeah, we are just so happy for each other. I think we went round and hugged everyone about three times each. So yeah, it was just a massive moment and we've all become so close over the last six weeks and it was just incredible to be able to do it with that group of people. Yeah, it looked amazing on TV. It actually looked, and we had the volume down, but I was watching Renee Gartner was the uh, master of ceremonies for the presentation, and the whole thing just looked beautiful. So John Strange hugged every girl that came on stage. I really love, Jocelyn, too, that you all presented junior players with some kind of gift after the grand final, and that must have been a special moment as well. Yeah, it was pretty special. Um, obviously, they're dead a um, hopefully be in our position one day and I think it's really good that they got that opportunity to come up and it was a nod to get our ring off them as well just to kind of see like that they're the future for what we're doing now and yeah it's just really exciting and it's great to have just the, there was lots of young girls there in their footy gear and yeah it was really good to see. Yeah great crowd too up in Redcliffe and I know that uh, you're celebrating at the moment but Gary Birkinshaw he wants to lure you across he wants to drag you across to another code. That's right, Jocelyn. Now, obviously, you're well aware that uh, the, uh, the um, AFLW, the, the Swans have now got a side coming in in the next competition starting towards the end of the year. With your esteemed AFL background, is that something that may be, <laughs> may be on the cards down the track when you're, when you're sick of winning premierships in the NRLW? Yeah, I've definitely thought about it a lot. And if the seasons didn't clash, I'd probably give a crack at having, um, doing both in the one year. But, uh, yeah, with the season clashing at the moment, I'll stick to rugby league, but... There's definitely a big um, thought going into playing AFL later on because I love it and it's so much fun. And, yeah, definitely on my mind. Yeah, wow. That would make Jocelyn one of the, one of the great female athletes in Australia if she cross-codes. That would be uh, amazing. I mean, there's a lot of girls in the NRLW that have won gold medals at the Rio Olympics, so it's definitely possible. I, I'd like to see it happen, but... For the, for the meantime, Jocelyn, on behalf of all of us at SEN and Saturdays on the Coast, we're so extremely proud of you. We've watched you from a young lady, and to see you shine on the national stage just deserves another standing ovation. Well done. Oh, thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Jocelyn Kelleher joining us. Uh, her dad, of course, a legend at the Kalani Vale Bombers, and well done to Jocelyn last weekend against St. George Illawarra. Off to the news. We're back in a few moments with the fastest man in the world, the fastest 75-year-old in the world. John Wall is next. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. 
Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club alongside me, Gary Birkinshaw, the man we like to call the guru, filling in for Michael Butner. Actually, speaking of Buttes, 1300 42 15 33, the McDonald Jones open line. Uh, Buttes is on the open line, thanks to McDonald Jones. Buttes, where are you, my friend? Steve, I am on my way down to Northbridge right now. Uh, my son, Mackay, he's playing soccer down there uh, on this Saturday morning. So we're heading down, mate. Uh, a big day of soccer for him and uh, really excited about all the upcoming sports. Steve, what a weekend it was last week. I know you guys have been talking about so many things. The Masters, golf, obviously all the NRL action, AFL. And, you know, with it being the Easter long weekend, there's so many great games coming up. Mate, it is one weekend to be sitting at home and enjoying sitting in front of the TV. Did you have a tear in your eye when Isabel Kelly scored for the Sydney Roosters in the NRLW Grand Final? How good was it? The girls were outstanding. The Roosters, John Strange, what a performance that was. When you consider they just scraped in to the semifinals based on their for and against. Uh, and to have done what they've done, 16-0 down against the Broncos. They conceded a try in the first minute of the game against the Dragons. But whatever uh, John Strange said to them and whatever he's instilled in them over the last six to eight weeks, it's certainly been effective, and what an outstanding performance it was by those girls. Yeah, the assistant coach is Matt Sharp, who, as you know, a great halfback with Terrigal and also Wyong and numerous premiership winner, but... He said Isabel spoke to the group prior to the grand final and he said what she had to say showed so much leadership qualities and also uh, just motivated the entire group to get out there and get the job done. Well, mate, it appeared to be the case because despite that early setback, the girls didn't steer away from their game plan. They knew what was going to work. And you know what, mate, you're right. Once that, once she got through that gap, there was no stopping her. And it was great to see uh, her get the chance and also Jocelyn Kelleher get the opportunity, a couple of local girls get the opportunity to loft that trophy high. Hey, where's the young fella playing? Who's he playing for? Uh, he's playing for Newcastle Jets and they're playing against Northbridge uh, this weekend. So it's a big game. They, uh, they're on the back of uh, a few good wins they've had the boys. So they're uh, looking to maintain that good form. But um, a big weekend, mate, and I'd just like to wish all the listeners a very happy Easter. Have a safe Easter uh, and a great long weekend. And, mate, uh, what are your thoughts of the guru who's just stepped right in? Gary Birkinshaw, he even delayed a trip to Mudgee to a wine tasting to be alongside me on this Saturday morning. Wow, how good is that? That's an indication, mate. It's, it's almost his show now, isn't it? Is, it show? is he going to be hosting the show in future uh, future episodes? Yeah, well, I'm going to be away at the Magic Round, so it could be a chance for the guru to step up to the plate. There you go, mate. I've got to make sure I lock that into my diary, mate. The Magic Round, looking forward to that. Anything else caught your eye, Butte? Oh, mate, look, I guess with so much going on, the Masters for me was unbelievable. Scheffler and what he was able to do. I've got to tell you, I was pumped in the morning when Cam Smith knocked in that birdie and closed to within three strokes. And it's amazing how quickly the tournament can change because his very next shot on the 12th went in the water. He shot a six, three over par, and that basically just blew away any chances he had of taking out the title. What I do know about Cam Smith is he'll be back. He loves Augusta, and I have no doubt that over the next couple of years, he will be challenging once again for that mighty green jacket.
Yeah, and he showed so much character to fight his way back and finish. He was outright third in the end. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Five under. Um, a good score and nothing to be ashamed of uh, any time you're finishing in the top 10 in the Masters. And, mate, you know what? Once again, it uh, never fails to deliver that tournament with uh, so much going on, the swings, the roundabouts, and, of course, the performance of Tiger Woods and his return uh, just created this hype around the tournament, which it probably hasn't seen in a very long time and only something that Tiger Mania can bring to something like the Masters. Yeah, yeah. And uh, second place as well with that sizzling final round was Rory McIlroy. Hey, uh, great to have you on the show, Butes, on the McDonald Jones Homes open line. McDonald Jones Homes, we love them. Happy Easter, my friend. Good on you, boys. Have a great show. Yeah, Michael Butner uh, on his way to the football to watch his son on this Easter long weekend. Uh, what do you think, Guru? He said that you're the man. Yeah, no, this is basically your show. Oh, no, far from that. I just fill in and do my little bit as I can, you know, just play my part. And, uh, but no, certainly not going to take you and Butcher's. Uh, do a fantastic job, and I'm just grateful to be part of it. So hey, thank you. Uh, out on the point, there's uh, quite a nice wave rolling in, which is, uh, you know, maybe a couple of hundred metres off the beach here. And there's five board paddlers working their way back to the shore. I reckon one of them might be the Masters legend Paul Lamont and maybe Ryan Green, who won the junior board race on the Gold Coast. They're going to join us around about half past ten this morning. But here right now, here right now is the man, the world's fastest man, the world's fastest 75-year-old. John Wall, good morning, and uh, welcome back to the show. (laughs) Good morning, guys. Nice to be here. What a beautiful day. Yeah, stunning day, and you've hit me with the numbers this week. Lay it out for our listeners. You are number one in the world. Number one in the world for the 60 metres, number one in the world for the 100 metres, and number one for, and number one for the uh, 200 metres. So it's pretty much um, a trifecta, if you want to put it that way. And the reason why I was motivated to do this is actually with you, Steve, because the day we ran against each other, <laughs> which is legendary, <laughs> I would say, um, you said to me then, if you can beat me over the 60 metres, this is going to be something that we should really trumpet about. So that's why I'm here, because I managed to do it. I managed to beat the legend himself, and here I am. But the reason why I want to do this, when Steve said to me, look, what are you going to be doing? And I said, look, I want the Australian flag to be on the number one of the ranking list. Not the Americans, not the Russians, but the Australians. And fortunately, we've been able to do it. Hey, uh, by the way, I'd be ready for a, for a rematch now, the sand looks pretty nice and solid down there. You raced me when I was in full work gear. Like, you know, I had a pair of RM Williams on. I had the jeans on, a long shirt. I think if we go and have you know, a rematch, then Steve-O could be the short price favourite. I reckon you're absolutely right. I'm not going to buy into this. You guys are the beach kings. No, I am not going to buy into this because I know I'm going to get my tail whipped. Hey, uh, you told me also that when you adjust these times, there's some... There's some kind of age, scientific... Age grading. Yeah. Mm. Now, it's like the Duckworth-Lewis or Pythagoras has come up with this. Now, you're comparable to the times that Usain Bolt do on this age ranking. Yeah, no, that's correct. But uh, this age grouping, age ranking, uh, is an amazing technical device that was developed years and years ago by World Masters Athletics to gauge where you would be if you were running as a 20-year-old, for example. So how they do that, I have no idea, but it's actually a, a technical system that they do. Interestingly, we're talking about Masters Golf. 
Now, Masters Golf is really interesting, but so is Masters Athletics. Now, can you tell me who you think is the fastest 35-year-old in the world in Masters Athletics? Is that over, a, over 100 meters? Rhetorical question. Now, that's a question I guarantee you won't be able to answer because it's none other than Justin Gatlin, who yeah. was second to Usain Bolt in the Olympic Games. Now, he is a Masters athlete, and he runs Masters, and he holds the record of 9.97 for the 100 metres. Hey, can you give our listeners some numbers? What, what are you running as a 75-year-old? And I've got to say, you are arguably the best 75-year-old getting around. I mean, you're, you're a thoroughbred. There's no doubt. You're a stallion. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Very nice for the compliment. Thank you. Look, eight seconds for the 60 metres at the moment, 14, oh, sorry, 13.9 for the 100 and 27.9 for the 200. But that brings me very close to the world record, which makes me hungry. I want to have the world record for Australia. That's, that's my objective. So this coming winter is going to be huge in terms of uh, strength conditioning development to get me there. Yeah, so you're a two-time world champion. Now, they're not on times. They're actually you know, yeah. a match race overseas, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, basically the World Championships are conducted every four years, like the Olympic Games. The next World Championships are actually in um, Temere in Finland in June. But I won't, be, I won't be competing in those because I'm not ready for it. I'm now coming at the end of my season. But the Americans will be there, so I expect that they will tr be trying to jump on my, my number one times. I've got a key question. Why won't you be ready? It looks like you're in stellar form. You've already set a whole bunch of benchmarks this year. What's, what's the setback? Um, basically, it's an injury that I'm recovering from, which happened before the 200 metres at the state championships, um, which, which didn't make... Uh, I was unable to run the 200. So I've been having treatment from the legendary Peter Peachy, and he's been working on my, my left leg. So while it's not 100%, it's probably about 90%, but that won't cut it at world championships. So you're talking about now you're going into off-season mode, strength conditioning. So what's the program look like? You know, is it seven days a week? Is it two days a week, three days a week? How often? It's basically seven days a week. I think my schedule, which will knock people out of the park, is my schedule starts basically at six in the morning. Well, I get up and I do a whole program of, of uh, isoflexion and isometric work, which is really strength conditioning in a way. Uh, what that does, it creates my... my uh, flexibility program I then go and I, I will be training twice a day uh, at the gym and in the hydro pool now the hydro pool is not just uh, aqua aerobics it's actually called hy hydro performance and what that means is that you are actually replicating the running action in a weightless environment which means that us older people and certainly anyone but but us older athletes uh, need recovery time so basically that's what we do and that's and then that combines with hill climbs at sand dunes you know all about sand dunes i'm sure you sure you do too um so there's a lot of work the skillion is another big one where we wear loaded weight vests uh, yeah it, it's not easy actually i went to the hot and cold pools on the gold coast during the australian mm. titles so you're into a pool that's about 10 or 11 degrees and then into the warm pool and uh, they had a steam room as well but uh, I found it, it made a massive difference from the first day to the second day in terms of recovery. Absolutely. Like cryogenics, which is the, uh, the new technology that everybody's talking about, and people are athletes, elite athletes, soccer players, rugby players, all using it, is about freezing the muscle tissue and then regenerating it, which it can, 
which then means that blood is oxygenated blood is going through the muscles so you're getting more recovery time very quickly and you're getting rid of lactic acidosis which is that lactic heavy weight feeling in the muscles that you get so it's about uh, I'm interesting you say that the pool there in, in Queensland in uh, Moree have you heard of the Moree ponds Burko has yep, been, there, been there yep. been there yep. okay so you'll know then that the uh, when I was in New Zealand competing at the um, Pan Pacific Games in New Zealand, actually, yeah, Pan Pacific, um, what happened was two weeks before that, I pulled my hammy at the state relay championships, and it was a grade one tear, which meant that I was going to be out of action for six to eight weeks. But uh, we went to New Zealand anyway and got into the thermal pools there, as you've, you've probably yep. been in, involved in that. And what that is, it's got colloidal minerals in it, which is colloidal silver and colloidal gold, which actually stimulates all of the cell mitochondria in your body. So it's a full restoration process for your muscles. So I had bruises all the way, all the way up from my, my, virtually from my knees up to my, the top of my calf, uh, of my uh, hammy. And it looked like there was no way that I could actually get back. And what we did then, we went to the pools and we did hot, cold, hot, cold that we talked about. And I got out and I won the 60, the one and the two again. So I was very fortunate, but I wouldn't have been able to do it unless I was in New Zealand for the thermal pools. Yeah. Hey, uh, stay with us, John. We're off to a commercial break here. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on the Australian Track and Field Championships, some of your highlights. But we've also got a whole bunch of guests to join us in the next uh, half hour, including... Mick Morley, who's hosting a big cancer fundraiser at Pat Morley Oval today, so we'll find out more about that. In the meantime, we're off to a break. Saturdays on the Coastal, thanks to Robson Civil, with over 60 years of experience of leading civil constructions. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. Catch every NBL game live on ESPN with KO. Sydney Kings looking good, joint leaders of the competition. And, of course, McDonald Jones Homes, the McDonald Jones Open Line, 1300, 42, 15, 33. We're back right after this on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, we're live at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. John Wall, the fastest man in the world for a 75-year-old, is still with us over the 60, the 100, and the 200. But right now, let's let's talk to a, a Terrigal legend in the Masters. In fact, he's a legend in the Opens as well. Hayden Smith joins us. Good morning, mate. Morning, mate. Happy birthday, I hear. Yeah, hey, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's out. I was trying to fly under the radar this morning, but that's social media for you. Hey, uh, congratulations, mate. It's a, another standing ovation for you after what you achieved at the Australian Surf Life Saving Titles. Did you win the trifecta again, including going back-to-back -back in the Ironman? Thanks, mate. I did uh, the 2K swim, the swim, the board, and the Ironman. And uh, I went close to winning all five of the individual events. I finished the close fifth in the ski race. Um, but, yeah, like six gold medals uh, this year. Aussies far outseeded my expectations. So uh, I was fairly wary. I had won five the year before, and I didn't want to tie... Uh, what I thought could be a good Aussie title to specifically a result or a number of medals or anything else. But, um, yeah, I'm really grateful to do so well. Yeah, I saw you recently at the Sports Central Coast Awards and I think I made the comment that night that you look like you're in better form this year 
It's hard to imagine. You look like you're in better form this year than last year. Would, would you agree with those comments after the way you performed? Oh, without a doubt, I was definitely in better form. My, I think my ski and board were a little bit stronger than last year, and I think my swim was much better than last year. I played from the last four months, from January through to April, uh, I stayed in and done an extra one, one and a half K at every single swim session every morning you know, for four months, and I believe that gave me the extra few percent in the swim, and I was definitely swimming better this year than I had previous, uh, the previous season. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about the 2K swim as well because a lot of people outside of surf life saving might not know that that's an event, and it's, it's held before the Monday and Tuesday competition. It's held on a Sunday. And when you look at the calibre of the field, I mean, there's a whole bunch of Olympians that go and do it because it's a 2K ocean, water, ocean, ocean swim, and I guess, I mean, that's one that you must be extremely proud of, apart from everything else you, you achieved up there. Yeah, without a doubt. It's, it's a great event. It's a good way to, I think for me, it's a good way to um, shake out some cobwebs. Typically, my, my first event is not necessarily my strongest. So um, I had a narrow win by nine seconds over Simon Nothing, who's a great swimmer. It's a great way to kick off the, uh, the train championships for me. Yeah, tell us about your Ironman race, because last year you spoke about what that meant to you to actually win it. Uh, tell us about going back-to-back and how the race unfolded. Well, listen, I, the Ironman's without a doubt, the, in my opinion, the most prestigious um, individual water event. It's the one that the public know, and it's a great honour to win. And uh, I had done really well that day in all the individual events, and for me... Um, Two weeks before the Aussies each season, Terrigal, last two seasons, Terrigal's had a morning where we've done five Ironman races against the, you know, the 17s and 19s and Opens and Masters competitors. And both years in a row, two weeks before, um, I had had a really good, strong last hit out. And I was really confident at the Aussies, especially after doing well in the swim the boards and the individual events, that I'd have a good Ironman. But, you know, it is turf, so I thought... If I execute, like I had a really clear race plan and I thought if I execute that well, barring any bad luck, I'm good enough to win. But, you know, that doesn't mean, because you're the fastest necessarily, doesn't mean you're going to win. So uh, I had a good little lead after the swim uh, and, you know, did the right things on the ski and the board and ended up having a pretty convincing win at the end. But listen, whether you win by 50 metres or one metre, a win's a win and, uh, you know... Like, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be up the front and to win was a great thrill again. The Australian surf life saving titles, I mean, as you know, I competed, but it just seemed to have a different atmosphere this year and it was one of just great camaraderie, great friendship, almost unforgettable in a lot of ways, I would say, because of all the challenges that all of the athletes have been through not just in the last 12 months, the last 18 months, but it had a very special feeling for me. How about for you? Every single one of them had a special feeling for me. And, you know, life's shown a lot of, a lot of challenges at a lot of people the last two years. So, and especially after the state of getting cancelled, I was praying the Aussies would go ahead. I was, I was stoked that they were. And it's a great time to catch up with your mates from around the country. But, you know, on the, on the other hand, I was really cognizant of not wanting to use too much um, emotional energy on the beach. So I did all 11 of the, the water events 
uh, every ocean event at the Aussies I did this year. So it's a lot of racing. So I actually tried to a little bit sort of fly under the radar for, for those three days and I didn't waste too much energy um, doing too much talking on the beach and just tried to go about my business each race and not get too excited about a good result, not get too disappointed if one doesn't go your way because at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot of races over over three days and um, you know I was focused on doing a good job. So whilst it is a great social catch-up, for me, I, I take it really serious because I care and I want to do well and I sacrifice a lot of time to prepare for it. So, you know, I actually took a leaf out of um, the young guy you're about to talk to, Ryan Green. I, I watched this guy for a 17-year-old. He is incredibly focused and disciplined, not just at carnivals, but every single day I look at him in training. He's the, he's the first person in the pool at five on the dot every day, not 501, 505. And He's focused and disciplined, and that's why he got the results he, he did. And I actually took a leap out of his book those three days and just tried to really focus on myself and just take care of the things I could control. Yeah, I, t- I tell you, Guru, uh, Hayden, he had this cowboy hat on, and he was flying under the radar. He's like the Iceman, and I thought, I wonder if other competitors know that that's Hayden Smith. That's the guy that everyone has to beat, you know? And, yeah, he's right. I think he was a little inconspicuous. He was kind of up the back in the sand dunes in a tent. And then when it was time to race, it was showtime. He just flicks a switch. We've got John Wall here. I'm sure you'd like to ask at least one question. So, John Wall, the fastest man in the world as a 75-year-old, over 60, 100 and 200 metres on the track. What's your question for another legendary master, Hayden Smith? Look, I I think uh, just listening to you, you're an amazing, amazing athlete. And, uh, I mean, what you do, I could never even dream of doing. Um, But one of my questions is this. You mentioned uh, a lot about what motivates you. Would you you sort of quantify that by saying that is actually a passion? Well, mate, thanks for the questioning and congratulations on your results. Mate, if I'm 75 and can still sprint 200 metres, I'll be uh, be happy for it. <laughs> what, what motiv- there's, there's a few things that motivate me. Um, so, firstly, my own health and fitness uh, is a motivator for me. And there's no better feeling for me as a business person or a dad or a husband or just myself being fit and healthy. It makes me feel really good. So, that motivates me first and foremost. Uh, secondly, I'm absolutely motivated by the results because. I, you know, I don't lie, I'm, I'm going to the Aussies to win and I, every time I put my foot on the line, I'm in it to win it and I expect to be competitive and to win. Um, and I'm a bit more balanced these days that I know not every result goes your way. Uh, I'm motivated because, you know, the great man Paul Lamont is my teammate at Terrigal and I don't want to let him down. <laughs> uh, I'm motivated when people tell me that you know someone else is going to beat me in a race so i'm motivated to not let that happen and uh i'm just competitive so you know I'm motivated so, so would you would you, my, would you say that it's would you say that it is an obsession without a doubt yeah yeah <laughs> great question uh, i tell you it's so good to have you on the show well, well done mate and guys, yeah, if, you're... if you want to be if you want to be the best you have to be obsessed oh i love it love it Absolutely. We top, need to need call. Who would ever say that they could beat Hayden Smith? Uh, but uh, well done, mate. Congratulations. And you're right. 
Uh, Paul Lamonti's on standby. Ryan Green's about to join us. Uh, can I ask one more question? For someone that sure. grew up on the peninsula, what does Terrigal Surf Club mean to you? It means a lot. It represents friendship, camaraderie. Uh, there's such a great cause to give back to the community, patrolling um, the, you know, the beaches on the central coast. And whether it's Ocean Beach where I grew up or whether it's Terrigal where I'm at now, surf life saving for me is friendship and health and fitness and represents a lot of great things about the Australian culture. Yeah, well done, mate. And I'm sure, uh, just one more really quick one. I'm sure you'd like to say something about the boys from Shelley who won the Masters Board Rescue. So that's Phil Keenan and Matty Zalberg. So they win it for the first time after coming close on several occasions. Yeah, listen, the boys, I, I was as happy for them winning as I was for any of my individual events. They're both great friends of mine and to see them both win their first Australian Championship uh, made me actually, I was really so, so happy for them. Uh, it's interesting because I have to race both those guys in a lot of individual events um, and, you know, I, I, I'm never going to let them beat me in anything if I can avoid it, but I was so, so, so happy to see them win their first Australian Championship. It was great. And, uh, mate, I've got a question for you, Steve, before we go, if you've got two seconds. Yeah. All right, yeah, mate. you're fire so, away. Terrigal Surf Club. Terrigal Surf Club without a doubt the strongest surf club competitively on the coast. Is there a chance that we could get Steve <laughs> Allen and Peter Lang to join Terrigal next season? Oh, I've been thrown under the bus <laughs> on my birthday. Uh, I'll take the fifth, as they say in America. Uh, so uh, mate, my, my people will talk to your people. But uh, congratulations, buddy. We're off to the news, and we're back with Paul Lamont and Ryan Green two Australian champions in the last week. Live from Terrigal Surf Club, this is Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. Uh, Mariners in action tomorrow across the ditch. We've had a text message from Nick Montgomery and he's struggling for service in the hotel that he's in but Mariners wow I mean what a game the other night against Western Sydney down 2-0 they come back to 2-all Lewis Miller sent off with a red card they cop some horrible decisions don't they in the A-League the Central Coast Mariners I think the Lewis Miller one people are just shaking their heads how in the world is that a red card initially it's a yellow a yellow, and then the VAR intervened. Yeah, that was quite, yeah, it was quite unbelievable that, uh, Steve. When listening to Nick after the game, he thought the VAR was going to come in to rescind the yellow card. And no, it didn't rescind it. He actually gave him a red card. But so you've got to, that's such a gutsy mob, the, the Mariners at the moment. You know, to be down 1-0, lose a player 2-0. After, and they've had a pretty pretty hectic program. It's just easy them to say, look, not our night. We'll just, we'll just move on. But then they get the penalty. And then to score in, what, the 90... The 95th minute goal yeah. and two all draw, fantastic. Keeps their season alive. Uh, Big game tomorrow. Did you see uh, Benny Ancololo, the penalty? Uh, see his like little stutter steps and then uh, buried it, and um, and then Dan Hall scores. <laughs> you could not script that. Yeah, no. Nah, look, it was a great and look. Kai Rolls' hundredth game for the for the club. A fantastic performance. That unfortunately the own goal earlier on, but look, a, a fantastic effort effort from them to, to come back from uh, from what was look. 
a, a, you know, a t- difficult situation. Just interesting, I would have liked to have spoken to Nick. Is, so the penalty, it's such, a, it's such an important part of the game, and normally every club's got their main go-to penalty, per, penalty uh, shooter. With the, with the Maris, just whoever seemed to grab the ball, I think, at, at the time, because they've all over, the last four penalties have been taken by four different different strikers. And norm- normally the man to take them is Ollie Bazanic, and Ollie hasn't been selected recently, so mm. there's a giant question mark there. Hey, look who's alongside us. Uh, we need a standing ovation for, from everyone on the balcony at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. Paul Lamont, the legend, legendary master, is here, and Ryan Green, under seventeen, uh, under nineteen, junior board race champion of Australia. Boys, good morning. Let's start with you, Ryan. Obviously, the uh, greatest win of your career. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I still can't believe it. I'm shaking right now. Like, wow. I just won the under nineteen board race. Yeah. Now the race itself. So. I mean, you get off to a pretty good start. A lot of waves rolling through Akira. And then tell us what unfolds next as you're on your way toward the first turning marker. On the way to the first turning marker, I had someone on my inside. And I just knew I had to get that first turning marker. It was all pretty close. First was just there. Second was just there. And then the whole pack was coming behind. We got that first turning marker, turned it, turned the apex and just headed for home. Yeah. Now, before the race, were you confident that you could take it out? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't really. I just made it through the semi to get to the final. And then I just was hoping for a bit of luck in this race. Yeah. Now, suddenly, you turn the last marker. You're heading for home. And how many, how many board paddlers are on the wave toward the finish? I think there was about eight. I turned around and I was just like, oh, no, all this hard work and everyone's <laughs> come through on the wave. It's an equal playing field again. Yeah. And then suddenly, you've got this horrible luck. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, we were chasing the runner through the gutter section and then my, the guy on my outside and the guy on my inside cut me off and I was out the back and it was race over for me. Yeah, yeah, so I'm watching that on Sunday on the live stream and I thought, oh no, Ryan Green's race is over. Then somehow, somehow you find a way. Tell us more. Yeah, I, I thought it was race over but I was just still thinking about the finish line, had to get there. Um, I knew I had to get into some clean water, so I went to the outside and just picked up a runner and then went, got back up there in a section and then I looked behind and there was a wave on. I'm like, oh, I could, I could win this and then pulled down the wave. I thought five guys on my left were going to get down it and then only one guy was down it and I was on the finish line. Yeah, normally when you think I can win this is when you lose. Yeah. So I'm, I'm amazed that that was your thought process, but... I also knew that if you got back to the beach in a sprint finish, I saw you win at the New South Wales Championships last year in the Ironman, and I thought, this kid, I tell you, he needs to go to track and field. He is blistering. So you've got a sprint finish. Tell us more. Who's it against? Um, it was against Santi Bell and Bo McGregor, one of my good mates. Um, we got to the finish line, and I was paddling, and I, got, I had an upper advantage, and then just at the end, he came back and like, oh, no, race over. I just knew I had to get up first, got up first, took a few steps, and then just raced the line, didn't even look left, just had to get there. Yeah, you, you have got blistering pace. Uh, Burko, you watched the video? Yeah, look, I found totally amazing. I'm not a surf lifesaver, so just to watch it was just amazing. And I, I did try paddling the board at once, and I, I couldn't even stay on it. So I'm just totally amazed when you do the distance you do, and then have to, when you're finished, you have to pick your board up and then sprint to the finish line. And, and you're, not, you're not doing it there just running to the finish, you're competing with a... For the, for the Australian title, neck and neck with another another player. So that's obviously a lot of will to get you to that line. Yeah, th- thank you about that. Um, 
I know, you just got to get up and use whatever's left and get over the line. For me, there wasn't much left, but seemed to get me over the line. Yeah, so. uh, I think it's been said by a commentator before, but that wasn't a win. It was a miracle. It was incredible to watch. Hey, um, probably about 15 metres behind you on the wall here at Terrigal Surf Club is a, a framed singlet and some gold medals of Danica Clark. Now, you're a scholarship holder. You received another scholarship just a few weeks ago. How does it feel being in the same surf club as Danica and being a part of that foundation? Oh, it's an absolute privilege. Like, we're all one big family at the Danica Clark Foundation. I'm so lucky to have be surrounded by like-minded individuals. That's just the whole aspiration of being a family. They really support me. Like, I had Gary Mensforth, one of the um, guys involved with the Danique Clark Foundation, down there helping me as I was competing at the Australian Championships and um, Jess Mensforth was also down there. Yeah. Hey, by the way, you also made the Ironman final. Is that correct? Yes, yes, but that didn't go how I would have liked it to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, who would you like to thank? You're here at Terrigal Surf Club on this beautiful Saturday. Season's over. You can now relax. And uh, you've got a couple of legends in your corner. Who are they? Um, I'd like to thank my coach, Rachel King and Ryan Quick. I'd also like to thank my mum and dad and um, Joycey and Hayden Smith. And thank you to the, to, to the Danica Clark Foundation for everything you guys have done for me. Yeah, well done, mate. We'll, we'll take a break here. We've got Paul Lamont on standby. So I believe he's, he's uh, on 99, not out. He's like the Don Bradman. Is that 99 gold? 99 gold medals. I mean, it is mind-blowing. So we'll take a break here. But another round of applause for Ryan Green. Under-19 Australian board paddling champion and watch him go in the future. He's going to be absolutely amazing. This is Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. KO, you can catch every NBL game live on ESPN with KO. And, of course, McDonald Jones Homes, the open line, thanks to McDonald Jones, 1300 42 15 33. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. And we're live at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. Away to our right-hand side is the Haven, and you can see the Skillion around the corner, and thousands on the beach here. Looks like a run-out tide at the moment, and... Ryan Green is here, and also the great Paul Lamont, the legendary master. Just back to Ryan Green, the under-19 Australian board paddling champion. There's uh, someone special inside the club that you need to give a shout-out to. Yeah, shout-out to my girlfriend, Lily O'Sullivan. Um, she had a great Aussies, and yeah. Yeah, what else? Uh, what club she with? Uh, she's with Burley Surf Club. And raced the professional this year for the Nutrigrain. And yeah, yeah, Burley heads Mowbray Park. Uh, the coach there, Michael King, who's a former series winner in the Uncle Toby's Ironman series. Let's go to Paul Lamont. So, on 99 gold medals, standing ovation, you won the trifecta yet again. But I'm sure you'll say you've never been challenged so much as 2022 at the Australian titles. Yeah, well, this is the last year in my age group 50 to 54, and um, there was quite a few really good athletes there who've just come into the age group. Um, it's a few, actually quite a few years since I've won the trifecta last year, or the couple of years before that, I came out of the placings in the board race, but this year I managed to get up and win it, I don't know how. Um, 
Um, but the fastest board paddler in our age group, I believe, um, Greg Cox from Palm Beach, I managed to just pull ahead of him and got him on the run up the beach. I had a better angle to the flags and he tripped over a bit and I got across the line. Yeah, um, but I, I'd say that you set that win up probably about 200 metres from home by, yeah. by just sheer hard work. Uh, it was an incredible win. I think it's one of, your, one of your greatest wins along with the surf race. Yeah, yeah, the board race was really good. I pulled on to a little runner and um, I'm fortunate enough that I get to train with the best paddlers in Australia. They were always ahead of me, of course, like um, with Hayden Smith. He's my training partner, pushing me along and he's really good on the runners, as is Ryan. And I can see they're, they're, that's one of their, their strengths and that's made me a better board paddler by having them ahead of me and knowing what it takes to to do well in board racing. And and then, then also um, I had the surf race. I had a, to come up against a guy called Sean Davis, who's a former Australian Open Belt rate race champion and Australian representative. Hey, can you paint a picture? What does Sean Davis look like? He, he's like a colossus. He's about six foot four. Um, and he's got big legs, big arms, you name it. Oh, and you've never seen anything like it. No, and the, the guy is like Hercules. And he is the fastest ever waiter I've ever seen. Like I've been around surf life saving for many years. Um, that's probably why I'm on 99 gold medals because I've been around the sport for so long <laughs> and that's the main reason. Um, so he is probably arguably the best waiter I've ever seen and that's why he's won belt and open board rescue titles before because he, and he always was in my era, he was a bit behind me, but he always was the quickest out to the can and you look at any footage of any big surf races from the 1990s and he was always the first to the can against Olympic swimmers and the top swimmers in Australia. So you catch him not once but twice on the way back to the beach on little waves? Yeah, well he had about a good at the cans, he would have had a good uh, five-metre gap on me at the cans, and I just, I, and I knew my strength was going to be coming home because I'm more um, like a 200 to 400 swimmer, where he's a 50, he's a 150, 100 metre swimmer. So I knew that my strength would be in that back end of the race, and I gave myself every opportunity. I didn't think I was going to win. At the Cairns, because he was further ahead than I thought he would be. But somehow, um, I think it was my body surfing skill and my experience, somehow I had to find a way to win. And somehow I got there because um, I wanted it so much. Because for me, um, that was I was going for 14 straight wins in that race in a row. So I just wanted it so badly. Yeah, I can't believe it. I can't fathom 14 straight wins in all different conditions yeah. that Paul Lamont gets the job done and uh, just tell us so the competitor you're up against Sean Davis what would he swim as a 50 year old what would he swim for 100 meters oh he'd easily go 54 to 55 seconds um for 100 meters um whereas I'm probably more 58 59 swimmer um so, so you're yeah. talking about a guy who's in his 50s yeah the, the best in the world are probably swimming 47s and you've got a guy in his 50s doing a 54 so it's, it's incredible, the calibre of athletes. We're off to a break. Stay with us, Paul Lamont. We're back in just a moment. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
And the show live from Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. I've got to say the Easter weekend is one of my favourites of the entire year. I love the Bells Beach Easter Classic. Uh, the young lady from the Central Coast, Molly Picklam, a little unlucky through the week and went out in straight sets. I think she was desperately unlucky with an interference call against Steph Gilmore. That's my opinion. I feel like Molly was on the wave and Steph also stood up and usually that's an immediate interference. But now Molly will head to WA and prepare for Margaret River. Paul Lamont still with us. Paul, you're on 99. I guess you get to 100 as soon as you touch down in Perth next year for the Australian titles. Well, actually, as strange as it may seem, I've got an opportunity to win because that's 100 gold with pool rescue and um, surf. I, I, I've got an opportunity to compete in the, hopefully in the pool rescue championships. So it's more than likely, and or it might not happen, I don't know, it's so unpredictable. It's more than likely to happen then. I think um, I would bet my house that Paul will have 110 medals. Oh, no, it won't be that many. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Congratulations. Well done again to Ryan Green. A lot of messages coming through about how great your interview was. Well done, boys, and best wishes for Terrigal and also yourselves moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. Well, pretty much the show this morning. We've got about 50 seconds left. Guru, I'm looking forward to Melbourne up against Cronulla. Both teams in great form in the National Rugby League. Tough one for the Giants up against the reigning Premiers Melbourne in the AFL. Yeah, look, it should be a tough one. The Giants did beat Melbourne in Melbourne last year, so they can take that uh, as, a, as a bit of uh, hope heading into that. But Melbourne are going really well. Melbourne Sharks, great, ga- great game. Stall gift, Bells Beach, plenty happening. Yeah, don't forget to the catch-up podcast. You can get that on the uh, SEN app. Thanks to Josh Kind, our technician extraordinaire. Thanks to Adam Staples back at headquarters. Happy Easter to you, mate, and thanks for everything you do for the show. To all of our listeners, hope you have a fantastic long weekend. All the best. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next Saturday. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.